Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, April 2nd, 2009. Joy, integrity, and living one's inner truth is the key to co-creating an authentic life that will naturally foster a stronger, sustainable connection to the source of all of creation. Embrace that you are a direct expression of the Creator today. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, writer, public speaker, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Neil Donald Walsh a modern-day spiritual messenger whose words continue to touch the world in profound ways. With an early interest in religion and a deeply felt connection to spirituality, Neil spent the majority of his life thriving professionally, yet searching for spiritual meaning, before beginning his now-famous Conversations with God book series. This series of books has been translated into 34 languages, touching millions, and inspiring important changes in people's day-to-day lives. The series, Conversations with God, includes thus far, Conversations with God, Books 1 through 3, Friendship with God, Communion with God, The New Revelations, Tomorrow's God, What God Wants, Home with God, In a Life That Never Ends, and and his book last year, Happier Than God, and your upcoming book, When Everything Changes This May. In addition to authoring the Renowned with God series, Neil has published 16 other works as well as a number of video and audio programs, including the movie Indigo. Available throughout the world, each of the Conversations with God dialogue books has made an appearance on the New York Times bestseller list, and Conversations with God book one occupied that list solidly for over two and a half years. This series has redefined God and shifted spiritual paradigms internationally. In order to respond to the great demand of his powerful writings, Neil created the Conversations with God Foundation, a nonprofit educational organization dedicated to inspiring the world to help itself move from violence to peace, from confusion to clarity, and from anger to love. Neil's work has taken him around the globe. He has found an immense hunger among the human race to find a new way to live at last in peace and harmony, truth and love. He has sought to bring people a new understanding of life and of God, which would then allow them to experience universal truths. Neil, please share with myself and the world your inspiration for the creation of your books that we'll be discussing this next hour, Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Living in the World with Honesty, Courage, and Love, and Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Embracing the Love of the Universe. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you. We appreciate your time. I think that uh, the world is facing uh, an extraordinary moment right now. I think that the people of the world 
both individually and collectively, are facing a time of great change, even more rapid change than ever before on our planet. The pace of change itself is increasing dramatically. And the Conversations with God books, the two you've just mentioned in the final portion of your remarks, as well as all of the Conversations with God books, address themselves to certain portions of that phenomena of change and, in fact, represent a change in itself. You know, uh, it wasn't that long ago when we couldn't even uh, uh, admit out loud or we wouldn't dare acknowledge to anyone or suggest that we are actually having our own conversation with God. That is, we could say that we pray to God, but we could never say that God talks back to us. In fact, uh, the wonderful comedian Lily Tomlin, I think, put this wonderfully. She said a few years ago, when I tell people that I pray every day and talk to God every day in that way, they say I'm devout. But when I tell people that God talks to me every day, they say that I'm crazy. <laughs> so we, we, we have a kind of a cultural bias against the idea that God would never speak directly to human beings. And the two books that you mentioned, as well as all of the Conversations with God books, seek to bring humanity a new idea, a new idea about God, a new idea about life and its purpose and its function and how it all works, a new idea about ourselves and who we are in relationship to each other, in relationship to the world, and in relationship to God itself. It is really the beginning, the seed that, that we plant to create a brand new cultural story about all of that and even about a great deal more. The latest Conversations with God book, When Everything Changes, Change Everything, is uh, an invitation to humanity to, to, in fact, change everything. It says that the most profound way for us to meet and to uh, meet the challenge and to embrace the many changes that are happening in our lives right now uh, is to change everything. Rather, in other words, rather than letting change change us, that we change our experience of change itself by leapfrogging ahead of the effects of change and to become the cause of all of the changes in our lives. And um, that's what the, really the main message of all the Conversations with God books. And here, he, since you asked me directly about those two books in particular, here are the main messages in, in the nutshell of the Conversations with God books that you mentioned. One, that we are all one one with each other, one with the earth, one with life itself, and most importantly, one with God. A lot of people can accept that we are one you know, with the earth or, or one with the other. It's a nice thought. It's a, it's a pure thought, a wonderful thought, a joyful thought, and a fairly acceptable thought for most people. At the very least, they can go to, well, you know, we are, I am my brother's keeper, and in that sense, we are all one. But the idea that we are one with God is even to this day spiritually revolutionary. Most of the uh, organized religions on the planet declare as a matter of doctrine that we are in fact separate from God. And so they espouse and they teach what I call a separation theology. A theology that says that I'm over here and God is way up over there. And that there's a huge separation between us. And furthermore, that, that my opportunity, my challenge, my invitation in life is to get somehow get back home to God. Or more directly in some religions, to avoid being cast out and not accepted at the gate when I return home. 
to avoid having someone, St. Peter presumably or someone else, standing at the gate saying, you know, I'm really sorry. I mean, gosh, you know, you, didn't, you really didn't do so well down there and you failed the test and we're going to have to condemn you to everlasting damnation. And so Now, I don't say that lightly because as a matter of fact, billions of people not millions, not hundreds of thousands, but billions of people believe what I just said and hold it as their truth. So the first message of conversations with God is spiritually revolutionary. It says that we have never left God to begin with that because it's impossible for us to leave God just as it is impossible for any part of yourself to leave yourself because we are in fact one not only with each other, not only with the earth, not only in a broad sense with life, but in fact with God itself. That We and divinity are one and the same thing, even as a drop of the ocean is the same as the ocean. It doesn't have the power of the ocean. It isn't the same in terms of volume, but it is the same in terms of content. That is, if you take the ocean by a bucketful or a tubful or a huge, huge, huge tankful, you'll find the exact same composition as if you took a tiny eyedropper full of the ocean. It's the same stuff. Therefore, the only difference between us and God is quantity. God is all of it, and we are a part of the all that is. But being separate does not mean being divided from. Being different from God does not mean that we are divided from God. It simply means that we are to God as maybe your little finger is to the rest of your body. Still a part of all that God is. That is uh, the first of the many spiritually revolutionary ideas uh, that are contained in the books that you mentioned. And the reason, by the way, that it's revolutionary is not only because it seems to fly in the face of current and past religious doctrine, but also that if it were true, it would require us and cause us to create entirely different social mores, social etiquettes, and even for that matter, moral constructions. As an example, to give you one example, it would be difficult, if not impossible, to morally justify the death penalty. I just use one example. If we, in fact, thought that the person we were killing in the use of the death penalty was an aspect of divinity, that is, one with God itself, we would be, I think, I would imagine, by, our own, by the strength of our own philosophical point of view about that, forced to conceive of another outcome and another solution to the problem of altering society's individual and collective negative behaviors. So too would we find other solutions for different aspects of our global interaction with each other. Wars themselves would be very, very difficult to justify. So if we treated, every, to, to use a second simple example, so if we treated everybody as if they were an aspect of divinity, not, not just an aspect of divinity, but actually part of the body of God itself, it would overnight change everything about how we live on this planet. Not just our politics, our economics, our social constructions, obviously our spirituality, the way we educate each other, the way we interact. Every, every single aspect of our, of our lives would be changed. And I might add, for the better. But that, as powerful as it is, is far from being the only important message in the Conversations with God books. Other messages include the idea that we are, in fact, abundant and filled with everything we could possibly need, and that, in fact, at a, at a very high level of understanding, need does not exist. That is, need is an illusion. 
the only reason we experience need on this planet is because we have the experience of there being not enough. That is, there's not enough money, there's not enough food, there's not enough water in some place, not enough oil, not enough, whatever the stuff is that we think we need to be happy, whatever it might be, there's not enough. Now, it's incomprehensible when you stop to think about it, that on this planet of six billion people, there isn't enough food. In fact, we throw away more food in the backs of our restaurants in the United States than would be needed to feed the entire nation of India for a week. And we literally toss it out. Furthermore, we have 5% of the world's people earning 95% and holding 95% of the world's wealth and resources. So it's not really a question of there not being enough. It's a question of there not being sufficient will among the people to find a way for that which there is to be more equally and more fairly divided. It doesn't seem to me to be fair at all that 5% of the world's people hold 95% of the world's wealth and resources. In fact, it seems to me to be profoundly unfair. Those are, those are just two simple examples of some of the striking social and spiritually revolutionary comments and teachings and messages in the Conversations with God books, and there are more uh, as well. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, and you know, one of the things as I read through the books, um, initially I read through them years ago, and of course I just reread the updated anniversary editions, but the most profound thing that I came across is very simple, and that is, what is God's greatest gift? And the answer that you present is, life is pointless. And I think right there, that challenged my social, moral, religious <laughs> programming, the ideas that the world has instilled in me, and I'm sure that millions of other readers embrace a similar perspective. So then the question becomes, how does one one's perspective create their reality? Wow. <laughs> that that, that uh, question is the, uh, the entire focal point of the book that's coming out in May. When everything changes, change everything. It talks mm. about it talks about perspective being the uh, most important aspect of life itself. Uh, let me just double back just a second with something you said that was quite uh, intriguing a moment before this question. You talked about God's greatest gift, and the greatest gift of God is that life is pointless. Well, people might say, how, how is that a good gift? How does that make a, God's greatest gift? Well, it's God's greatest gift because if life were not pointless, that is, if life had a point, we then needs must ask a series of questions. Number one, what is the point? Number two, who said so? Number three, how do we get to know that? That is, who do we listen to? Who, who, who do we know is right about that? And number four, how do we live up to the point of life? In fact, if we agree that life has a point, then suddenly we must ask those four questions and we're in a box, we're in a, a jail in a sense of our own devise a jail that has been created by our own thoughts about what life must really be, what it must really mean, and what its purpose truly is. The difficulty with that is, of course, that we don't have a single answer to those questions. It would be very easy, if life had a point, it would be really nifty if God would come down and talk to the whole world at once and say, ladies and gentlemen of the earth, here is the point of life. Number one, you can believe it because I'm telling you because I'm God. Number two, here is how you can meet the point of life. That is, here's what you can do to make sure that you're making the point and getting the point of what life is about. Unfortunately, however, it hasn't been designed that way. 
we have 15 different interpret 15 150 different interpretations of who and what God is. In fact, you know there are there are 349 known religions on the planet as we speak, big ones and small ones, belief systems around the world, each of which purport to tell us what the point of life is. Therefore, it's kind of a game of of spiritual roulette. Pick a card, any card. Pull the trigger and hope that the bullet is not in the chamber that's now pointed at your head. Because if it is, you're going straight to hell. If you pick the right religion and agree with the right people about what the right point of life is, then you're going to be all right. But if you happen to, gosh, God forbid, pick the wrong point and the wrong reason and the wrong understanding, I'm sorry to have to tell you, you're going straight to hell. So the greatest gift from God, people say, how can that How can that be a great gift? It's a great gift because it gives us a singular experience that's expressed in one word, freedom. If life has no point, then we get to decide, each of us individually, what the point of our life and of every moment of our life shall be. We get to determine inside of the paradigm of our own experience what the point of life is, and by our decision about that, we define and create and then experience who we are. So life has no point that has been created by someone outside of our individual selves, our individual expressions of divinity, except life itself. The point of life is life itself. The purpose of life is to express more life and to expand life through the process of life itself. That is, growth, or what anthropologists would call loosely evolution. So life has a purpose, it has a process, but it has no point. The purpose of life and the process of life is growth, evolution, the expansion of life itself. But what is the point of that? There is no point. It it expands because it does. It's like going into a beautiful garden and watching a flower grow and watching it come to blossom. And you could say to the flower, what's the point of that? flower would say, if it could talk back to you, there's no point. It's just what I do. (laughs) There's no point to it. It's just what happens. And so, when we come to clarity that, that God did not imbue life or require life to live up to a certain point, but in fact, gave life the power to simply express itself in ever grander versions of itself, thus allowing the process of evolution itself to take place. So the process of life is evolution or growth. The point of it, there is no point. However, each of our individual moments in life can be constructed in such a way that we individually can give it a point. The point of this conversation you and I are now having, for me, is to share the message that I have brought through in these books with an ever larger and larger audience. That's the point for me, or I wouldn't be on the call. And the point for you is, I think, similar and the same, that you choose to do what you do in the world to express who you imagine yourself to be, who you've chosen to be, and to do so through this and other vehicles in other moments of your life. So we get to decide what the point of our lives is. We get to decide what the point of each moment is. But God did not make that decision for the entire universe not just the Earth, but every one of the other billion and one stars and galaxies and solar systems in the universe. Excuse me, such an overriding umbrella point does not exist. Now you ask, what is the role of perspective in the creation of our day-to-day experience? Wow, everything. In my new book, Change uh, About Change, we say that 
perspective is everything, not some of it, not part of it, but all of it. That is, the place from which you're looking, the perspective you hold, the place from which you are viewing, the, the hill you're standing on as you're looking down the valley, determines what you see. Therefore, perspective creates your perception. Perspective creates perception. That is, where you're standing determines what you see. Perception, in turn, creates belief. It turns out to be true that seeing is believing. So what you see is what you believe. Yet what you see is determined by where you're standing. So perspective creates perception. Perception creates belief. Belief creates behavior. Every one of our behaviors is based on the belief system that we hold. If I scratch my head, I do so because I have a belief that if I rub my fingers in a certain way across a certain portion of my skull, the itch will go away. If I put one foot in front of the other, I do it because I have a belief that by making my body move that way, I can get across the room. Everything that I think, say, or do is based on a belief that I hold. That's true about not just simple things like walking or scratching your head. It's true about very complicated things like falling in love, getting married, taking this job instead of that job, living in this city instead of that city, holding this lifestyle rather than that lifestyle, voting for this person rather than voting for that person. In fact, everything, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, what you say, how you comb your hair, for heaven's sake. You comb your hair this way and not that way because you believe you look good this way. In fact, everything that you do is based on a belief. And every belief that you hold is based on a perception. And every perception that you have formed is based on a perspective. What is the role of perspective? It's everything. Because your beliefs create your behaviors. And your behaviors create your experience. And your experience creates your reality. So we see a line of causality. And the line of causality, once more, goes like this. Perspective creates perception. Perception creates belief. Belief creates behavior. Behavior creates experience. Experience creates reality. And by the way, here's where it gets dicey. Here's where it gets tricky. Reality creates your next perspective. Turns out it's a circle. That's power. (laughs) Wow. So this will be coming out in your book coming up on May 13th when everything changes. That is very, very exciting. And I'll be sure to let the listeners know later in the hour where they can meet up with you and find out more information about that. So we're really focusing here on perspective creates reality. This idea was introduced in the, um, the, the Conversations with God series, but you've seen as we've changed and as we're all experiencing this uh, extremely rapid rapid change individually and globally, that people needed a guideline that you've just presented and that went very powerfully into the cycle that our our perspective is the way that we create our reality in the end. There's no question about it. And people who change their perspective change their reality, actually, almost overnight. Or to put it in simple terms, when you begin thinking about things in a different way, you shift your experience of the things you're thinking about forever. That's called, loosely, transformation. Now, you can do this in a number of ways. You can go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist at $125 for a 55-minute hour for the next six months, or you can do it in about five minutes without having to go to a therapist by simply choosing to change 
your perspective, to stand in a new place, to, to occupy a new hill over the valley of life, to see things simply differently. Now, that's the wonder and the beauty of spirituality, because spirituality offers as its miracle another point of view. How does neutrality play into perspective, meaning that there's not something that's truly good or something that's truly bad, it's just a neutral creation? Well, if you, how it plays into perspective is that if you hold that, that, that perspective, that a thing is neither good nor bad, it simply is what is, you automatically move to a place of enormous peace. Because what you've done, of course, is stepped out of a square on the playing board called judgment. You've stepped out of judgment and into neutrality. Or as um, psychiatrists or psychologists would say, social scientists would say, you've abandoned judgment for simple observation. A wonderful teacher in the world in the past 25 years named Warner Earhart would put it this way. Obviously, what's so is what's so. I mean, the table right here in front of me as I'm talking to you is obviously a table. The instrument that I'm holding my in my hand is a telephone. That is what's so, and that is obviously what's so. So obviously, what's so is what's so. Not so obviously, it's also so what. So observation is saying, this is what's so. Judgment is saying, so what? And when we add, when we add the end of that sentence, so what? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, for instance, as an example, as I'm talking to you now, it started raining. In fact, it's pouring outside here where I'm living in southern Oregon. It just began when this telephone call began. And I, I have some things I need to do that require me to go out to my car later tonight and go get some things from my car, which I left in my car inadvertently this morning. So the first thought I had as I saw the rains come was, oh, so now I'm going to get, I'm going to get soaked going out, or I have to wait till the rains pass, which could take a couple of hours before I can get what I need from the back seat of my car. Isn't that a bummer? Now that's the so what. What so is, it's raining outside. The so what is, it's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. I'm judging it. I've made a judgment that the rain is not okay with me because it's going to stop me from going out to my car unless I don't mind getting soaking wet, in which case it's not a problem at all. Now, you would see, but <laughs> it, what's interesting is some people love to go out and dance in the rain. <laughs> see, and and I, 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 this reminds me of an experience that I had, which I recounted in, I think it's in, I think it's in the book Happier Than God. I think I talked about it there. When I was about uh, 25 or 26 years old, I was walking through the parking lot uh, at, a, at, a, at a theater um, where I was appearing in a play. And this other person, this young lady, was appearing in the play with me. We were both in the cast. We were going to the theater for rehearsal. And as we were going through this large parking lot, it was a very large parking lot because the theater was in a shopping center. We were going through this parking lot. It started to rain. It started to rain immediately, cats and dogs. It was a summer evening around 6 o'clock. I'll never forget it. So it was a very warm, lovely sun shower, but it was raining like crazy. And we, and we both immediately, because the rain came so fast, we didn't get five feet. We were just soaked. I, I was upset. I was, oh, no, man, I, this is terrible. You know, and I was not happy at all. We're going to be in summer. We're going to be so, rehearsing and soaking clothes all night. You know, how am I going get, to get, get around this disaster? On the other hand, the young lady simply whipped off all of her clothes <laughs> and began dancing in the parking lot. And she just she was, she was like drinking, you know, drinking the raindrops, opening up her mouth like a little chickadee and drinking the raindrops and swirling and dancing in the parking lot. And she said, oh, come on, don't be, don't stick in the mud. Dance with me. Take off your clothes. Have some fun. It's, the, 
point is she got very clear, this is what's happening. You can't embrace it. This is just what's going on. You can't do anything about that, but you can, you, what you can do something about is how you're experiencing what's going on. That's called perspective. She had an entirely different perspective about the rain than I did. And I stood there and I watched that and I thought, you know, I really am an old stick in the mud because I'm really upset about the rain and she's celebrating it. So perspective turns out to form and shape our experience and our reality. And shifting your perspective is quite simple and quite easy to do. It's just about blinking your eyes twice and seeing it in a new way. And as I said a minute ago, that's the magic and the wonder and the miracle of spirituality. Because spirituality, truly experienced, shifts our perspective almost immediately. Because it takes us out of our mind and into our soul. Wow. That's very beautiful. So how do we, as human minds allow ourselves to merge with that spirituality to embrace that perspective that feels good? Well, by knowing, first of all, who we are, by coming to a a very, very immediate, profound, and large and clear understanding of who we are. That's, That's the first level of how we merge with that. And then, and who we are, by the way, is an aspect of divinity, an individuation of God. We are not the victims of anything, and we have not been plunked down here on the earth to try to find our way back. We're not trying to learn lessons. Excuse me. It isn't our job to learn lessons or to pass a test or to somehow behave properly in order to get back home. That's not who we are. So as soon as we begin to embrace fully, and what I want to call functionally, to functionally, not just conceptually, embrace our own divinity, we've taken a huge step right there in reconnecting and merging with that sense of joy and celebration, that wonderful perspective of the soul that we can't find in our mind. Then, of course, we do some obvious things, and these are really obvious things, and I almost feel embarrassed because they are so obvious, but you ask me, so I'll tell you. We, we, for instance, meditate every day. We really do give ourselves 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night to enter into some form of meditation. Now, when I tell my audiences this, because I've been asked this question before, I tell them that meditation doesn't have to look a certain way. You can sit cross-legged in front of a, uh, with soft music playing in front of a candle, or not. You can just walk through the park, for that matter. Or meditate doing dishes. I call that doing meditation. Or walking meditation. Or stopping meditation. Or sitting meditation. I'll explain. I, I love stopping meditation because it's wonderful. A person who practices stopping meditation makes a commitment to take 10 seconds six times a day or 60 seconds in all. This is the one-minute resolution of all of life's problems. Every day you just take one minute, but not one minute at a time. One minute broken down into uh, into six 10-second segments. And what you do with those 10-second segments is you simply stop whatever you're doing. You stop all the hubbub, uh, all the hecticity, all the actions and movements and all the thoughts, for that matter, in your mind. Your mind's going crazy with thinking this, that, or the other. You stop all the noise, all the movement. You just simply, whatever you're doing, walking down the street, in fact, you might be doing the dishes, washing the car, or whatever you're doing, taking a shower, reading a book, whatever you're doing, you simply stop right in the middle of whatever you're doing, and as you do that, you find... We have lost Neil. I'm not so sure what happened. No, you haven't us. lost Neil. Okay, okay. I was, I was I was demonstrating stopping meditation. Oh, ha, ha, ha. sorry about How that. How wonderful it is 
how wonderful it is when you simply stop. Just, my God, just stop and be quiet. And just be quiet for 10 seconds. And you know, my friend, if you did that ten, six times a day, for 10 seconds, six times a day, and did that for 90 days, you'd find yourself becoming more calm, more peaceful, more merged with that part of the soul you just talked about, and closer to your higher self than you ever experienced yourself before because you just stop for 10 blessed seconds six times a day. That's a very powerful practice. And you don't have to do it in the middle of a sentence, embarrass yourself in front of people, but walking down the street, moving through the grocery store, maybe reading the morning paper. Who, who reads papers anymore? The morning the internet or, or whatever you're doing. You just stop. Just for heaven's sake, stop. And by the way, try it making love. Try it when you are in love's fond embrace with your beloved and just for 10 blessed seconds, just stop and just l- notice what's going on. Not physically what's going on, the totality of what's going on, everything, the feelings you're being exchanged, the love that's being shared, whatever else is occurring in that moment. Look into the eyes of your beloved. Say not a word. Just stop. And then in 10 seconds, you'll have an entirely different experience of that moment of making love or of walking through that grocery store or of driving down the road or whatever it is you think that you need to do so fast, so quickly and in such a particular way in order to achieve a particular outcome. What is the value of fear in perspective? Well, I don't think that fear itself has any value as most people understand the word fear. But caution is another thing. And if you change the idea of fear and your expression of it, then I think it could have great value. In my world, the word fear has a different connotation. And there's even an acronym that I've made up for the word fear, F-E-A-R, feeling excited and ready. (laughs) So when I have that experience that I call fear, I, I just translate it into my mind. Oh, I get it. I'm feeling excited and ready. And suddenly, I'm ready to embark on a great adventure. In fact, I I, uh, came up with that acronym because a great spiritual teacher said to me several years ago, I was asking the spiritual teacher just the question you asked me. What is the value of fear in your life? Or does it have any value? And he looked at me and he said, Neil, call your fears adventure. I like that. that. Yeah, so do I. And from that day to this, I've done that. I just shifted my what? Perspective. Yes. (laughs) Yes, and I want to let the listeners know perspective consists of beliefs, attitudes, ideas, opinions, socializations. Um, It's really the way that we view the world, the lens that we're viewing life through. Exactly. Do you agree? Exactly, profoundly. That's why spirituality is so miraculous. Because a spiritual understanding of the world, as opposed to you know the, the standard traditional scientific or physical understanding of the world, uh, the spiritual understanding of the world offers you a perspective that is far deeper, far richer, far broader, and far more expansive than the average physical understanding of the world. 
and so that your beliefs and your and your ideas, just as you noted there, would be remarkably different and would cause you to see things in a new way. How can each person then possibly influence the world by altering their perspective? By inviting the rest of the world to alter its perspective, and by doing that in two ways. One, by example, by modeling a certain perspective that you would invite the rest of the world to embrace. And second, by in fact inviting the world to do so. And that's in fact how I live my life. I, I hope that I model uh, the, the perspective that I hold. And my whole life in these past 12 years, since I had my conversation with God, has been about inviting the rest of the world to embrace a similar perspective. Not my perspective, their perspective but their authentic spiritual perspective, not the perspective that they have been operating on, which is generally the perspective of others. That's what's sad about the world, my friend. In the world at large, whether we're, you know, whether we're going to the, into the bank to, to withdraw some money from our account or go to the grocery store, go to the hairstylist, the barbershop, where, wherever we are, the gas station on the corner, when you get out into the world, you start meeting people whose perspective is not really their own. Or it's very little their own, maybe 20% their own, 30% their own, and 70 or 80% the perspectives of others who have told them what life is really about. Parents, teachers, mentors, clerics, that is, priests, rabbis, ulamas, ministers, others in life who we have believed, who, who have a position of influence and even authority in some ways over us and who have told us this is how life is. And it's their perspective, largely, that we carry into the moments of our lives. And so one of the great transformative practices of life is to abandon the perspective of your forefathers, to abandon the perspective of your teachers and your mentors, not because they're necessarily wrong, maybe in some cases they aren't wrong, but to give yourself room to come to either the same conclusions they've come to or conclusions of your own that might be entirely different from theirs. It's when I was finally able to do that that I truly began to grow and to nourish and to become now what I imagine myself to be. What I had to do, and it was a practice really for me, was to abandon the perspective of my first my father and then of many other mentors and teachers and models that I had in my childhood. And I had to step away from all of that and almost start anew. I call it the sweet annihilation. Because mm-hmm. I, had, I had to be willing to annihilate myself in a sense, and and to start over. Now, as it happened, <coughs> excuse me, when I started over, I found that in fact many of the perspectives of my father are perspectives that I now share, but not all of them. And what a delicious experience it was for me to uh, come to that of my own, rather than simply living life because this is how my father said I should or how my minister or rabbi said I should, or how my political party say I should. After reading your series of books earlier, maybe in 2002 or so, I came up with an analogy as if I were digging for gold. And, you know, you go look in dirt for gold. It's just dirt and dirt and more dirt. But you find this beautiful element that is just shiny and lustrous and and almost invaluable. And, And you think, wow, that's what I want. You don't take home all the dirt. You take home the gold. (laughs) So I found that my process of coming into what my own perspective was, 
was embracing the gold as it as it arose and rang true for me, but allowing the dirt to be giving myself permission to release the dirt because it didn't resonate with me any longer. That takes courage. It takes intellectual, emotional, psychological, and spiritual courage to do that. And uh, that's commendable. I honor you for that, and I wish more people would do that because it takes enormous courage. Well, thank you. Your books were of great support for my process. Glad to hear that. Thank you for telling me that. Yes. Well, we thank you so much for your time this evening, Neil. We are so grateful to have you here on Evolution Revolution. I'm going to let the listeners know they can find you at www.ndwhome.com or www.neildonnellwalsh.com. Also, Neil's uh, upcoming book release will be on May 13th, and it will be about When Everything Changes. That's the title. So thank you kindly, and we appreciate all of your perspectives and your service to humanity, and we hope to have you back again soon. Thank you so much. It was lovely to be here. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Neil. We've been speaking with Neil Donald Walsh this evening. We are very excited to have him here. We have been discussing his Conversations with God, an Uncommon Dialogue, book two and book three. Book two is Living in the World with Honesty, Courage, and Love. And book three is Embracing the Love of the Universe. These are the anniversary editions of his original Conversations with God, book two and book three. Neil's upcoming events, you can find him in in Los Angeles, California on April 23rd talking about his upcoming book, When Everything Changes. And on April 24th through the 26th, Neil will be in San Francisco, California at the New Living Expo. Coming up on May 12th, his book release is out. So you can actually get the get the book, but of course pre-order. We always love that. And you'll be able to find that on Amazon, Barnes and & Nobles, and everywhere. And on May 13th at the Hilton in St. Louis, <coughs> excuse me, Missouri, he'll be talking about when everything changes. Of course, on his website, as I'd mentioned, it's www.ndwhome.com. You can find workshops, daily inspirational emails, his evening events, monthly teleclasses. Of course, he has some great new features, the Little Soul in the Sun DVD, which is his children's book um, presenting his very powerful concepts. And he also has a new course online, Happier Than God. So that's what you can go ahead and find there. And of course, support his organization, www.cwg.org as well. There's always a wealth of information, events, and of course they are an organization that um, is supported by people who believe in what he offers. So please feel free to support him at any point. So it's very exciting, book two and book three have offered some new introductions and are prefaced with new commentary uh, as he's reflected over his last 12 years of his developed relationship with God. So they're very exciting. If you have read book two and book three, the originals, these anniversary editions expand and take you one depth further or a couple layers further, which is really, really rewarding. And it also allowed me to reflect on what I had gained from the original book through now. So it was also very helpful for my own personal reflection. During the hour, we were speaking about perspective and how it creates reality. And that was an inviting question to open up the idea for his new book, When Everything Changes, released May 13. Embracing your direct love line to the ultimate creator can transform your human experience in unfathomable ways. 
open your heart and mind, and begin your conversation with the most loving, all-encompassing source that emanates truth, understanding, support, peace, and all of the answers that your heart and mind are seeking. Only you can pick up the spiritual phone and connect with God. So start today and allow yourself to remember the truth of who you are in the highest and most divine expression. You can find Neil's books, Conversations with God, book one, two, and three, Communion with God, Happier Than God, Moments of Grace, and many, many, many many more on his website for purchase or, of course, at Amazon.com. Next week on April 9th, we'll have Dr. Amit Goswami who will offer an enlightened perspective that offers lucid arguments that are supported by quantum physics research that are pinnacle in the revolving controversies between science and religion in his latest book release, Creative Evolution, a Physicist's Resolution Between Darwinism and Intelligent Design. In this book, Goswami posits that consciousness, not matter, is the primary force in the universe. Another revolutionary work on the leading edge of consciousness by Dr. Goswami. On April 16th, we'll be speaking with Janine Kimmel, who will share her colorful characters and thrilling adventures in an extraordinary tale, The Magic Gown, which offers wisdom, hope, inspiration, and an adventure of self-discovery. Be sure to join us. During the second half hour on April 16th, Amber Hinton will offer her expansive children's book that was born through the lens of deep compassion for her grandchildren's beautiful souls, guiding children of all ages to the mastery of the self Mr. Ego and the Bubble of Love. On April 23rd, Dr. Teresa Martin and Dr. Christine Madar from the School of Metaphysics will each offer an edited book surrounding the concept of dreams. Dr. Martin offers the title Lucid Dreaming, 99,000 Opportunities for Awareness, and Dr. Madar will offer the summary of the 2008 Global Lucid Experiment in the book release, The Moon's Effects on Dreams. School of Metaphysics has an annual dream interpretation hotline weekend, one weekend a year. And for 2009, it will be April 24th through the 26th. Our timing is of essence. On April 30th, we'll be speaking with Lee Gertz, who will present his revolutionary insight about the optimization of our brains that can lead one to optimization of our entire life. In his book release, Limitless You, The Infinite Possibilities of a Balanced Brain. Coming up on May 7th, we'll speak with Patricia Bish, who will offer her revolutionary principles that can be found in her book, Freedom from, from Food, a Quantum Weight Loss Approach, in addition to her CD that offers valuable tools to support any individual who has had power struggles or endless issues with their weight. On May 14th, we'll be speaking with Ruth Probst, who will offer her fun and interactive book, The Little Black Book for Blue People. In this book, she offers a meaningful symbolic story while using the concept of intention fiction, which can increase one's energetic vibrations surrounding emotions and feelings. On May 21st, Laura Hansen will bring her divine specialties and share her unique work, which has inspired tens of thousands of people through individual spiritual profiles, teaching, seminars, private coaching, speaking engagements, and the media. Laura's unique gift allows people to experience immediate shifts in their understanding of themselves and their lives, offering compassion filled with purpose and inspirational understanding. On May 28th, creative expert and consultant Whitney Fair will offer her well-rounded expertise as we delve into her first book, The 
Artist Within, A Guide to Becoming Creatively Fit. Whitney has appeared with her offerings largely in the media, including HGTV and Die Networks. Coming up on June 4th, we'll be speaking with Barbara Hanclough once again, who will offer her divine wisdom and multidimensional teachings that are highly integrative in a blend of many sciences derived from her several books to include The Mayan Code, Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, and The Pleiadian Agenda. Be sure to join us with Barbara's latest insights into the current paradigm shift of consciousness, forecasts, and astrological predictions, including the global impacts of time acceleration. On June 11th, Stephen Asma will share his enlightened wisdom of the philosophical teachings or Dharma of Buddhism with a fun, illustrative, and captivating book called Buddha for Beginners. Stephen is a professor at Columbia College in Chicago and the author of several books. On June 25th, Matt Doe will offer his fun, witty, and enlightened approach to experiencing a rich spiritual life full of joy, laughter, and cheer with his book, The Rascal's Guide to Enlightenment, How to Become Enlightened, on a budget by taking a course in the power of the celestial, celestial prophecy, the Matzo Code Now. On July 9th, Dr. Stephen Farmer will be returning to share his latest deck of oracle cards, messages from your animal spirit guides. Please be sure to join us as Stephen offers his divine awareness and inspiration to connect with the animal spirit guides in your life through this fascinating deck of cards. On July 16th, Sharon Jeffers will lead us into a mystical love and destiny divination system in her book release that is filled with research and unique offerings based on the familiar deck of 52 playing cards, Love and Destiny, Discover the Secret Language of Relationships. It offers information on the character and nature of relationships and invaluable insight that every person should be empowered with. Also, join Sharon on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month for her radio show called The Mystical Oracle Radio Show with Sharon Jeffers. On August 13th, Dr. Denise Badeau will offer her expertise to assist in engaging parents in their children's dream world in her very valuable book release, Dream Guider, Opening the Door to Your Child's Dreams. This book offers practical tools and skill sets for all parents to assist any child in encouraging creativity, developing inner peace, and concentration, strengthening communication, and providing nighttime comfort. On August 27th, Dr. David Bertelli will be offering his integrative insight into stress, anxiety, and trauma, and how they can create the opportunity to manifest a more fulfilling life in his book, The Revolutionary Trauma Release Process, Transcend Your Toughest Times. Are you ready to restore yourself to wholeness emotionally? <laughs> and on um, September 10th, Peggy McCall will remind you of a most profound truth that all of your answers are already within you. In her upcoming book release, The One Thing, in this exciting book, Peggy intends to awaken you to your innate ability to create and enjoy the secret recipe for fulfillment, your one thing. You can also find all of these authors' information on the home page under Upcoming Guests. You can purchase all the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage and the Radio Archives 2007-2008 tab within the website, or of course, all episodes are available for free in the iTunes store by searching Evolution Revolution Podcast.
The archived shows are available 24 hours a day to listen to for downloading at no charge and include amazing talent such as Carol Obley, Karen Anderson, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Dr. Eric Pearl, Dr. Stephen Farmer, Egan Sanders, Ariel Ford, Bob Gebeline, Robert Friedman, Albert Clayton Golden, Barbara Han Clow, Dr. Amiko Swami, Michael Tamora, Marcia Scarborough, Gary Zukoff and Lindy Fra Linda Francis, Dr. Adrian Windsor, Neil Donald Walsh, Charles Virtue, David Robert Ord, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings and teleclasses via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please visit my website at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com under the Services and Events page, which includes client testimonials and a wealth of information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please be sure to read the two-page collaborative feature with Arielle Ford about her latest book release, The Soulmate Secret, based on our conversation in Episode 54 of Evolution Revolution, in the March 2009 edition of Elevated Existence. This can be found on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or at www.elevatedexistence.com. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Evolution Revolution tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Neil Donald Walsh. You can find Neil on the web at www.cwg.org or at www.ndwhome.com or www.neildonaldwalsh.com. This evening we've been speaking about his two recent anniversary releases, Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Living in the World with Honesty, Courage, and Love. And we also spoke of his other anniversary edition release, Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Embracing the Love of the Universe, all with a new, new introductions and with original commentary reflecting on his last 12 years. And of course, we, we led right into his upcoming book release on May 13, 2009, When Everything Changes. Please be sure to explore him on the website. You can, of course, always link up to him through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish each of you an abundance of heavenly love including peace, joy, gratitude, and light, today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night.